everybody. In the aftermath of Ohio State playing a phenomenal basketball weekend in Indianapolis, it's a Monday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along, whether you're watching on Facebook or Twitter or Periscope or wherever you're watching. Appreciate it very much. We're going to get into what transpired at Lucas Oil Stadium, Ohio State's NCAA tournament draw, and a bone I've had to pick with the Big Ten and the NCAA for a long time, and it's back again one more stupid oversight by the conference protecting its teams like Ohio State and Illinois going into the tournament. So, wow, what a weekend, right? Thanks for joining us. Uh, we feel a lot better about OSU this weekend than, uh, or than, than we did at the end of the regular season with good reason. And it's amazing what a difference one game can make. Well, two games, the Michigan game and the Illinois game. Because, you know, at the midpoint of the Big Ten tournament, off of the performance against Minnesota and even the performance against Purdue, I'm not sure that we were as all in with OSU as we are now. And I'm also not sure that I've ever felt better about a program after a loss than I feel about this program after that loss yesterday. I apologize for the uh, cough. We will get into all of that and a faith portion at the end of the podcast as well. First, a reminder that Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is the official coffee of the We Tackle Life podcast. Here is your bourbon barrel aged coffee. That's their newest flavor, but they have many flavors. They have, of course, their staples, which Mr. Spielman highly recommends, and I do as well, your Hunter's Blend, your House Blend, and then specialty coffees like your... uh, Breakfast blend, you're making me crazy, the bourbon barrel. Go to HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, and you will get 15% off. Now, here's a little inside information on the major Hemisphere deal. You can, for a very limited time, go to 989theanswer.com, buy a discount certificate to Hemisphere, where you'll get $30 worth of coffee, chocolate, tea, and their other products, or 15 bucks. You go to 989theanswer.com, discount shopping club, and you'll buy a discount code. You'll spend $15. It entitles you to a $30 purchase from Hemisphere. You cannot use the We Tackle Life uh, promo code with that discount because you're already getting a 50% discount. But for those of you who have been loyal, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com customers, Wanted to give you a little insight, and for those of you who do not listen to my radio show in the afternoons 5 to 7 on 989theanswer.com, that is um, your little extra bonus for today, your little NCAA tournament extra bonus. Okay, let's get into the weekend. We'll start with, uh, I think we covered Minnesota on Friday, so no need to get into that one. I think I was in, what's wrong with these guys, why can't they close games mode against Minnesota? And then we just thought we that was such a great podcast and such great content that we'd bring that back (laughs) if you're the Ohio State men's basketball team uh, in their next game against Purdue because uh, first half, phenomenal. 18-point lead at the break against Purdue, which beat Ohio State twice. I thought to myself, well, this will probably get under 10 somewhere in the second half. Purdue will consume a bunch of energy getting it there, and then Ohio State will run it out because, after all, we have Dwayne Washington who shoots – 88% at the line, and we have C.J. Walker, who shoots 95% at the line. And so we have experienced senior guards. Uh, Purdue will have to foul us. We'll go to the line. We'll put it away at the line. Well, I'm confident we could do that, but you have have to have to actually 
get to the free throw line to do it. And we did not do that. We had lots and lots of issues with putting the game away against Purdue, specifically E.J. Liddell had lots of issues putting the game away against. Now I got him confused with Michigan. I'm sorry. We just had problems against Purdue, closing it out at the end, and we had to end up going to overtime to get that game won. Okay, not ideal because if you're going to win the tournament, you got to play four games in four days. And honestly, I don't prioritize winning the Big Ten tournament. Unless you're a bubble team, unless you're a team that's had a guy injured and you want to see now you're getting him back and you want to see how you play with him, get as many minutes as you can to integrate him back into the lineup. There are things that a postseason tournament can bring about. For this year's Ohio State team, the Big Ten tournament was phenomenal because you don't want to end the year on a four-game losing streak and then go into the NCAA tournament. You certainly don't want to lose to Minnesota or even Purdue in the uh, tournament and go in having lost five in a row or five out of six. So I thought surviving Purdue was huge because I thought that clinched a number two seed for Ohio State. And yet, that game was not without a cost because uh, Travion uh, Travion Williams of Purdue, who's just a beast inside and brought them back in the second half, I know it was an inadvertent elbow to the head of Kyle Young, but here's my view of the ridiculous nature of not just Big Ten, but college basketball officiating. In that game, they called a hook and hold on EJ Liddell under the basket. Okay, I don't know how you determine as an official who's holding who on the ground under the basket. And I get the fact that the hook and hold can result in an injury. For instance, Cleveland Cavalier fans remember Kelly Olynyk against Kevin Love in the NBA playoffs first round back in 2015 when the Cavs lost to the Warriors in the finals because they didn't have Kevin Love. Because Love was on the ground, he jumped for a rebound, Olenek was holding him, and it pulled Kevin Love's shoulder out of socket. So I get that that can cause an injury. But when it does not cause an injury... Why are we calling it a flagrant foul? Now, you can say, because we want to get that call out of the game. Okay, fine. Every other call in basketball is officiated based upon the result of the play. You hit a guy out front with your body, that's a foul. If you don't hit a guy out front with your body, no foul is called. So why can't we on the hook and hold, if a guy gets injured, then eject the player who hooked him, and held him. And if it's just an innocuous foul, just call the innocuous foul. But to assess E.J. Liddell a flagrant one, and then to not assess Travion Williams a flagrant one for concussing Kyle Young with an elbow to the temple is stupid. And I don't care if Travion Williams didn't mean to hook, to hit Kyle Young in the head with an elbow. Like I just said, every call in basketball is officiated based on result. So if you hit a guy in the head, then it's a flagrant foul, okay? And I, again, don't know how you know whether 
EJ Liddell was holding the Purdue kid down or the Purdue kid was holding EJ Liddell down? What's more likely? Is EJ Liddell a more capable rebounder than the skinny Purdue kid who was locked up with him? I think so. So who needs to hold who down in that situation? The original foul call was called on the Purdue kid. Then they re-looked at it and said it was on EJ Liddell. Stupid, stupid officiating. And stupid that they don't officiate the result of a play, which is Travion Williams elbowing Kyle Young in the temple and giving him a concussion and keeping him out of the game. So you're telling me by the outcome of the calls that what EJ Liddell did to the Purdue skinny kid is worse, because you gave it a flagrant one, than Travion Williams elbowing Kyle Young in a temple. That is moronic logic and Thank you, Big Ten. You got the freedom to institute your own set of rules. I don't care if it's an NCAA officiating rule or not. So that's stupid. Kyle Young has been concussed twice this season. And not only, I got to calm down here because I'm losing my temper, not only was neither called a flagrant, neither was even looked at on the monitor. <laughs> Two concussions, and neither was looked at on the monitor. They look at everything on the monitor. A gum wrapper falls on the floor, they go to the monitor. And they don't look at either one of those on the monitor. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Big Ten officiating. Okay, so now let's get to the delicious Saturday result against the Michigan Wolverines. And as I tease that delightful topic, let me first remind you that Health insurance is important. We are looking at our health insurance thanks to this second open enrollment window. And my wife did not know there was a second enro open enrollment window. And you would think if she's married to a radio host who talks about an open enrollment window on every podcast and every radio show, she would know that. But she's busy working her fingers to the bone doing taxes at her tax firm this time of year. So she does not listen to the Bruce Hooley show because she's working. But you do. And you know that open enrollment is back thanks to an executive order from the president. And so auinfo.com is going to help us look at our health insurance, and they can help you look at your health insurance. And we won't pay AUI, and that's not because I'm friends with Chrissy and Steve and Julie and all the great folks at AUI. It's because they don't charge any consumers. The insurance companies are happy to do business, get additional customers. And so the service is free. It's not free. It's free to you. It's free to me. It's not free to the insurance companies. They pay to be put with people. So this is a great time. If you haven't looked at your health insurance in probably two years, you, everything change. Everything can change. A doctor can drop out of the plan. Benefits can change. Hospitals can change. Copays can change. It's good to do a checkup, particularly since it's free. And auiinfo.com is all over that. So go to auiinfo.com and use the chat feature. Tell them what you have. Tell them what you'd like to have. What, is there anything I could get that, what would it be trade-off be if I paid this or that? And they'll help you with it. They may have, um, you know, they may know from your demographic, like your age, your kid's age, all that stuff, number of people in the plan, that'll tell them, oh, well, you should probably be in this plan. Or no, you're actually in a good plan. So auiinfo.com. All right, to Saturday. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Jawan Howard on Friday against Maryland be the Jawan Howard he's always been, which is a big, tough guy, oh, you know, Juwan Howard's one of those guys who likes to puff his chest out and act like he's a tough guy. And then he knows his assistant coaches are going to hold him back so he actually doesn't have to act on it. Uh, for Juwan Howard to get thrown out of the game against Maryland was stupid 
on Juwan Howard's part. And um, Mark Turgeon, who is Maryland's head coach, um, is a whiner, as we well know from his complaining last year about Caleb Wesson in the low post against poor Jalen Smith. <laughs> so I don't have a dog in that fight. I don't like Howard way more than I don't like Turgeon. But um, you have to be responsible to your team. You say, well, Holtman got thrown out of a game. Got thrown out of a game at Michigan State with one second left. That was the right move because the officials that night were awful. Uh, but Howard's team was in a game. Now, Juwan Howard may have an altruistic uh, viewpoint in that he knows Phil Martelli, his assistant coach, is a better coach than he is. And so Juwan Howard might have thought, hey, we're in a semi-tight game here. Maybe I should get thrown out so Phil Martelli can coach my team all the way to the finish line. I kid a little bit. Okay, but Howard gets thrown out. So I thoroughly enjoyed that, but I thought, well, Michigan's played only one game. Ohio State's played two. Uh, we don't have Kyle Young. And then Isaiah Livers, uh, stress fracture. And I thought, well, you know, that's going to hurt Michigan because Livers is you know, a really tough cover on the perimeter, and he's one of their best defensive players. So we get into the game, and bless their hearts, the Buckeyes just played like gangbusters. And they played the game at the pace it needed to be played in the, in the high 60s. Hard to beat Michigan when you're going up and down uh, because they're going to get open threes in transition. And Ohio State uh, got Franz Wagner out of the game. Justice Suing was tremendous this weekend. I have been intermittently all in and all out on Justice Suing because when Justice Suing settles and doesn't get into the paint, He's so crafty in the paint. He's great on pivots and moving and getting himself an open shot and drawing fouls. That's Justice Suing's game. I know he'd love to stand out there and shoot threes and make the NBA lust after him, but this is what he can do as a college basketball player. So get in the lane, Justice, and do what you do. And he did it against uh, Michigan. And Dwayne Washington, phenomenal. EJ, phenomenal. Until the finish, and then EJ had a rough finish. Whoo-wee. I understand the dunking attempt with two minutes and 50 seconds to go and wanting to put the nail in the coffin and, you know, really just embarrass Michigan, not just beat them. You got to make that. You just got to make it, okay? And then C.J. Walker made some very unwise decisions in that game uh, with a couple in the Purdue game. And C.J. is also super crafty getting to the basket and uh, taking guys on. And he did a great job against Illinois yesterday, but... Um, I know it's hard to say you got to be perfect, but as a fifth-year point guard, you you, you kind of got to be perfect. I mean, that's kind of what we expect out of a fifth-year point guard. So it was just awesome to watch Ohio State win that game. But when you are up by double figures with just two minutes and change left in the game, Michigan should not have the ball with 28 seconds left, down one, and a chance to win. I mean, wow, did we dodge a bullet there. Think about how heartbreaking and how crushing that would have been if Michigan's Mike Smith had made that shot. Now, Juwan Howard said after the game that they got the shot they wanted. I mean, maybe, but I can get on board with Mike Smith taking that shot from the top of the key to win the game if the ball had also gone into Hunter Dickinson in the post on the switch against Justice Suing, and I don't know, Suing walled him off or... Another Buckeye came over to help and forced Dickinson to give the ball up. But I'm with Bill Raftery and Grant Hill and every other analyst. Hunter Dickinson's got to touch that ball in the last 28 seconds. Thankfully, he did not. And EJ came out on the closeout. Mm, did EJ foul Mike Smith? Eh, if that were Dwayne Washington shooting that shot, 
and Chaundy Brown defending or Dickinson defending, Ohio State would want that call, and I would want that call. So I think, you know, we dodged not just a bullet. We dodged, like, <laughs> machine gun fire at the end of that Michigan game. And it's a it's kind of a bittersweet thing because it's like, wow, great win. It's awesome to beat them. It's awesome to knock Michigan out. <laughs> and then, honestly... After that win, I wished you could. I, I I wished Ohio State could just say, "We're good. Like we got our three wins. We'll just go home." You know, you don't want anybody to test positive for COVID. That would have allowed them to go home. But then they would have, you know, had a drama, dramatic situation this week leading up to the tournament. But I didn't need to see them play Illinois Sunday. Didn't want them to play Illinois Sunday. It's, it's forty more minutes on the legs. And I joked to guys on Saturday night. I'm like, start start the walk ons. You know. <laughs> start Eugene Brown and Zed Key and sit Liddell and sit Washington. And about, what, 10 minutes in to the Sunday game against Illinois, I was thinking, yeah, pull them out and let them sit because we're going to get pounded by 25. And and that figures. Illinois played one less game and five less minutes on top of that because Ohio State had overtime against Purdue and, and the Illini. I don't even know who they beat in the first round. They bombed somebody and then they bombed – Iowa in uh, round two. But how about those Buckeyes coming back down 27-10 and they just stuck with it and they just got it down to five at halftime. So I was thinking, okay, maybe maybe we can hang here. Maybe we can hang. Got into the third quarter and the one thing I thought at halftime was it was 40-35 to and I thought, you can't win this game in the 80s. We're going to have to slow this bad boy down and get it to like 74-73 final somewhere in there. And for the for a while, Ohio State did that. They had it at a really good pace. And uh, just amazing. I mean, they, they fell down by 10 again and fought back and took the lead. And uh, then they got down by uh, six with, I don't know, a minute and a half to go and tied it and forced OT. What was I just saying about Justice Suing? Getting into the lane, being crafty at the at the rim, huge three-point play at the end to send that game to overtime. Now, as I watched this game, I came to a conclusion that I don't think Brad Underwood from Illinois is a bad coach. But just hear me out on this. If you have Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo, and by the way, the rest of your roster is pretty doggone good. Trent Frazier's really good. The Curbelo kid, he was nothing at Champaign when Ohio State played them the first time. He was a high school teammate of Zed Keys, and I, I wondered, like, what's the fuss about Curbelo? Like, why is he even out there? He's on, He has hurt Ohio State big time in the last two games they played him. He's a pretty crafty kid, pretty heady, pretty smart. That must have been some high school team with him and Zed Key. And they've got other nice pieces. I mean, they do. That Williams kid's a dead-eye shooter. He's their Justin Arns only. He actually, like, you know, contributes and plays a little defense. Um, But, wow, they're loaded. Okay, so that's one factor. Then Ohio State's played an extra game and an extra five minutes, so Illinois is way fresher. And Illinois gets up and down. They're not a slow-it-up team. So what they like to do and what you have to stop is made more difficult to stop by the fact that your legs are gone. So that's factor number two. And then factor number three, they've got Coburn 
and Borat, like Giganishvili or whatever the heck his name is, inside, two guys way bigger than anybody Ohio State has, and we don't have Kyle Young, which is our, he's our post defender. Like EJ sometimes defends in the post, but you don't want to throw EJ up against Coburn because EJ is going to be on a pine with two in the first five minutes and three early in the second and four with 10 minutes to go. And yet Ohio State's in the game. And Ohio State took them right to the wire. So to me, that is 100% confirmation that Chris Holtman is a wizard a coaching wizard. He finds what his team can do and what the other team can't deal with, and he finds it in the midst of the action going on. They changed their ball screen coverage after Illinois got out big, and it never hurt Ohio State much after that. They went to a thing at the top of the key with E.J. Liddell and C.J. Walker late that Illinois never figured out. And... EJ settled for a three when Ohio State had a one-point lead and a ball in overtime. And you saw the tired legs in EJ Liddell throughout the day. He was short on every single three-pointer. He was Mrs. Holtman, not Chris's wife, but Chris's mom. If you see the social media posting of his mom (laughs) saying that, hey, the boy's legs are tired. they got to get their legs into their jump shot. EJ Liddell didn't have his legs in his jump shot. He shot three of 16. And Ohio State took, and Illinois had six guys in double figures. Six. Three guys with 16. And Williams, uh, Borat, and somebody else had 10 plus. And Ohio State had 32 from Dwayne Washington, 22 from Suing, 16 from C.J. Walker. And if they got any game out of E.J. Liddell at all, they win the game. Seth Towns one for three at the free throw line. That can't happen. Dwayne Washington missed like three free throws. That can't happen or he was three for five or something. Can't happen. Ohio State's margin for error is really small. That was a game they could have won, but the fact they didn't win it doesn't change a bit how I feel about them going into the tournament. They're a really hard team to play, and they should go into this tournament with a lot of confidence. And um, that's how I feel about Ohio State. Now, I got two other things I want to mention. First, their tournament draw, and then a situation with the Big Ten that I referenced at the beginning of the podcast that should never happen again. And I'm going to bring this up to Coach Holtman sometime this summer, and I would hope that he would bring it up to his coaching colleagues because the Big Ten does the NCAA a favor, and the NCAA does the Big Ten no favor. And this would be super, super, super easy to fix. Okay. First of all, if you're in a situation in life where you need something fixed because your legal rights have been infringed upon or because someone tries to come after you in any kind of a legal action, Willis Spangler Starling is my law firm, and I would highly recommend them to you. Uh, They are wonderful people. They are good Christian people. They uh, doesn't change their dogged determination to defend your legal rights one little bit. Because justice requires no adjective, as I say all the time. And Willis Spangler Starling is all about standing up for what your legal rights are, whether that's in a probate matter, wills, estate planning, personal injury, workers' compensation, employment law. They look at all my contracts that I 
get into so that I know that I'm not walking into something that I don't understand. They're very easy to deal with. They talk in plain English, not in legalese. And they understand that when you're in the middle of a legal action, it's like the hugest thing in your life. So I love people who view their acumen at whatever they do as their way to serve others. And that's what Willis Spangler Starling's uh, commitment is to you. So remember that name, Willis Spangler Starling. They're on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. And you can find their website at willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, attorneys.com. Okay, here's my beef with the Big Ten and the NCAA. Ohio State will start the NCAA tournament Friday at 3 p.m. Now, this is a different NCAA tournament. It's all in the state of Indiana. They're going to play at Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is Butler's home court. They're going to play at Mackey Arena, Assembly Hall, uh, the Indian Lab, Indiana Fairgrounds, I think. Two courts at Lucas Oil Stadium, and they're probably going to play at Conseco Fieldhouse, too, or what used to be. It's Banker's Life Fieldhouse now. So they got a lot of venues in Indiana. I think it's a smart move. Um, you know, it's COVID, whatever, fine. Minimize the travel, I get it. Everybody can drive to where they're going. They can stay in their little pods. Okay, great. So the tournament usually starts Thursday. This year it starts Friday. So it will not be Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. It'll be Thursday. It'll be Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Monday. And the regionals are the same thing. They're on odd days. So the first day of the tournament is Friday. The first game will tip off at noon, and Ohio State plays at 3 o'clock Friday at Mackey Arena. And this is my ongoing for years gripe. If you play in the final game of the college basketball pre-NCAA tournament, which the Big Ten does every year, they play the 3.30 game on Sunday, CBS and the NCAA wants the Big Ten title game as the lead-in to their tournament draw. Everybody in television will tell you that the lead-in to a show has a big factor in what kind of ratings your show grabs. I would say that's silly in the case of the NCAA tournament draw because everybody's looking forward to it, and they don't need a lead-in, but they want a great lead-in. So, ha, 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 I'm going to say this, even though I know how ridiculous it is to say because of his incompetence, Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, needs to protect his Big Ten teams like Jim Delaney never did and go to the NCAA and to CBS and say, here's the deal. If we're going to do you the favor of playing in the final game of the college basketball pre-tournament, then you are going to guarantee us that the two teams that play on Sunday at 3.30 p.m., will play a second-day NCAA tournament game because we want an extra day of rest for our team. It is ludicrous to expect Ohio State to play the second game on Friday after playing the last game on Sunday. And a couple years ago, in the Jim O'Brien era, Ohio State played in the Big Ten championship game and opened the tournament in the first game on Thursday in the West. I think it might have even been at Albuquerque at altitude. So that is stupid and ridiculous. If they're going to keep doing that to Big Ten teams, then the Big Ten should say, we're playing our championship game on Saturday and we're giving our teams an extra day off. Because if you play Thursday, if you play Sunday at 5:30 in Indy, 
Then you stay in Indy to watch the tournament draw. What time are you getting back to campus if you're not Indiana or Purdue? And you're not Indiana because they've never played in a championship game in 25 years. (laughs) You're getting back to campus at the earliest around 10 p.m. or midnight. You're gassed from playing three games in three days or four games in four days or sometimes five games in five days if you really had a run. And then you got to turn around and you got to be at the NCAA tournament site where you're playing in a normal year on a Thursday. You got to be there on Wednesday. So you got to leave on Tuesday. So you're gassed on Monday because you've traveled. Now you get like a day and a half of practice, a day of practice, and then you got to go play on Thursday. Or in Ohio State's case, you got to go play Friday. Now I know it's a little bit different this year because they're busing an hour and a half or an hour up the road to West Lafayette and Mackey Arena, but it's still relative to Oral Roberts, the team they're going to play 3 o'clock Friday, or relative, more importantly, to the two teams they could see in the second round, Virginia Tech or Florida, they're well-rested. And you're a two-seed. And you're given a disadvantage of playing on tired legs because you did the NCAA a favor to play the lead-in game for your tournament draw show. That's stupid and unfair and dumb that the Big Ten continues to do that. And if the Big Ten's answer is, well, we love the exposure, you think people aren't going to watch the Big Ten tournament final on a Saturday when you have three teams in the top ten? Four, probably? Ohio State, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan? At some point in time, I don't favor throwing your weight around very often, but sometimes you got to say, no, you need us more than we need you, and we're not doing this anymore. We are not doing it anymore. So I knew it. When Ohio State got to the final, I'm like, they're going to play on Friday, and they're probably going to play Friday afternoon. And sure enough, 3 o'clock Friday against Oral Roberts. Okay. Speaking of discounts, which I gave you a hemisphere discount, now I'm going to give you another discount. CBD Health Collection products. Use the promo code BRUCE when you order from the people who bring you the Spielman CBD brand. You'll get 15% off when you order at cbdhealthcollection.com or when you buy in-store or on the phone. A friend of mine who you'd all know, but I don't want to throw his name around because it's not fair. He's a he's a big-name public figure. I sent him some CBD Health Collection CBD, and he called me the other day, and he goes, I want to order that stuff. And I'm like, great. And he, I said, like, what product worked for you? And he said, I gave it to my father. He's 70 some years old. He had a shoulder issue where they told him his shoulder torn rotator cuff, couldn't sleep on it, couldn't sleep at night, too old to do surgery. And he uses the CBD health collection freeze gel and he sleeps through the night and takes his pain away. So CBD works and CBD health collection CBD is really good. And it takes the edge off your pain. It really does. I use it on my left thumb. I use it on my neck. When I need it, it's it's amazing. So cbdhealthcollection.com. Use the promo code Bruce. You'll save 15%. Okay, what's Ohio State in for in Oral Roberts? I have to put my glasses on and read my notes. This is a little bit of a eh, game. Oral Roberts shoots threes. Anytime you see a 15 beat a 2 or a 14 beat a 3 or a 13 beat a 4 in the first round, really anytime you see a first round upset, what happens? Somebody shoots the lights out from 3. Oral Roberts can shoot the lights out from three. They can. They've got um, 
Guys who shoot 46, 42, 38, and 43% from three. Their leading scorer is a 6'1 guard by the name of Max Ambus. He averages 24 points a game. He put up 33 against OSU, not Ohio State, Oklahoma State. That's a big-time game against Oklahoma State. That's like Oral Roberts' rivalry, Tulsa-Oklahoma against Oklahoma State. Um, they got guys who can fill it up. Now, they can't play any defense. That's their thing. They play no defense at all. So Ohio State, super efficient offensively, but worries me a little bit that this team shoots threes because that can be an issue. So Ohio State's going to have to guard the three-point line, and I don't think that's one of the best things they do. I would imagine Musa Jallo is going to get some minutes here against Mr. Ambus, and hopefully Musa can lock him down. Um, Oral Roberts led the nation with 11 three-pointers a game, so there's 33 of their points. Now, they don't play a lick of defense, as I said, uh, and they are 0-5 against NCAA tournament teams this year. Some of them not close, 91-64 to Missouri, 85-80 to Wichita State. 83-78 Oklahoma State, 79-65 Oklahoma, 87-76 Arkansas. So all but one of those games were respectable, 10 points-ish, and Ohio State's favored by 16.5. Don't bet the game based on what I say. I'm just saying you got to take Oral Roberts seriously. Ohio State should own them inside. They should Oral Roberts should have nobody who can guard EJ Liddell, Zed Key, Justice Suing, or Kyle Young at the basket. I assume Kyle Young's going to get back from his concussion. So then Virginia Tech or Florida. Now, that is not an easy game. Uh, teams that play in the SEC and the ACC see good competition. And they're probably each going to have a guy or two who's an NBA player or a D-League player. And Tech was 9-6 and six in the ACC. I know the ACC is not what the ACC sometimes is. But 9-6 and six in the ACC, you got to take seriously. And they're the 10 seed. So Florida's better than they are. Florida's out of the SEC. SEC's got good basketball. Arkansas and Alabama. And they get it up and down. And Florida's got a really good coach. That guy, he D's you up. So... I'm glad they don't have like a bunch of time to get ready for Ohio State because I think Ohio State's pretty hard to get ready for on a um, quick turnaround. But this is not a cakewalk into the Sweet 16 for Ohio State. Uh, and I have not looked at the bracket beyond that to tell you what I think. I know they're in Baylor's bracket. So let's say they get into the Sweet 16. There's some pretty good teams. Arkansas, Colgate. I know Seth Davis picked Colgate because they score a lot, but Arkansas scores a lot too, so I think Arkansas will overcome them. Texas Tech, Arkansas, that's a pick em game because Texas Tech, as you saw two years ago, got to the NCAA championship game. Purdue's in the top bracket. Villanova's in the top bracket. North Carolina and Wisconsin are in the top bracket. I would not rule out Baylor. I have not seen Baylor, so I, I just think, you know, when you play a legacy program like North Carolina or Wisconsin, uh, I don't think I wouldn't shock me if one of those teams beat Baylor. Now everybody's picking Gonzaga and Illinois to get to the title game. And that to me is a little strange. Uh because Gonzaga is a proven year in and year out choking dog in the NCAA tournament. And I know they're undefeated and I know everybody says they've got three, you know, the top 10 players in the country and blah 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 blah. blah. Until they do it, they ain't going to believe it. And everybody always picks, you know, three ones and a two to get to the final four. And it's very rarely that. So 
Who knows? But Illinois is in the bottom, and Illinois would play Ohio State in the Final Four if both get there. And everybody's picking Illinois. And I'm thinking to myself, did you not watch Ohio State play Illinois this year? Now, I can't figure out why Ohio State beat Illinois in Champaign and should have beat him in Columbus up 68-64 with the ball and the arrow with two minutes left and shot 0 for 10. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out why Illinois didn't blow him out yesterday with much fresher legs, better talent, and no Kyle Young. But Ohio State gives Illinois trouble. And I'd be just fine with taking Ohio State in the Final Four against Illinois and taking my chances to get to the championship game. I don't fear Illinois a bit. I'd much rather see Illinois than see Michigan. And I'm trying to think, would I rather see Illinois than Iowa? No, because Iowa doesn't play a lick of defense and they're not very athletic. And I think Ohio State, if Ohio State got Iowa, which they wouldn't get them until the national title game, I'd feel good about that one. I'd feel really good about that one. So Michigan, LSU, Michigan, Michigan better have it strapped on if they play LSU. St. Bonaventure's a nine. Wow, that seems like Michigan, uh, LSU, St. Bonaventure. Michigan will probably get lucky and LSU won't win that game. But I watched LSU yesterday against Bama. They got some players, man. Uh, Florida State, Leonard Hamilton can D up. That'd be a sweet 16 matchup for uh, Michigan, uh, which that's not a gimme for Michigan. Leonard Hamilton, he can D up, boy. Uh, a lot of people are picking Texas. I don't believe in Shaka Smart a bit. I do believe in Nate Oates in Alabama. Uh, they're good. They're good. Uh, so that's kind of my look at the tournament draw. But Oral Roberts is uh, take him seriously. I'm telling you, any team that can shoot threes, you got to take them seriously. Any team that can shoot threes, you got to take them seriously. All right, here we are at the thirty-eight minute mark. So it's time to get into the faith portion of the podcast. And for the faith portion of the podcast today. Uh, let me put up the uh, banner on the website so everybody who's watching on Twitter and Facebook knows what we're talking about. Okay. Oop. Okay. Here, I, I, I don't, this is not like a go-to thing for me, but sometimes, sometimes it just makes sense uh, that I'll just open my Bible in the morning and um, I'm looking for a certain book, Proverbs. That's where I start my day. And I'll open it to a different book, and I'll look on the page, and I'll have something underlined. And so before I turn the page, I just read what I have underlined. So today, I just happened to open my Bible to 2 Kings chapter 17. And I have a couple sentences underlined, and I'll just read them to you. 2 Kings 17, uh, verse 15. They followed worthless idols, and themselves became worthless. They followed worthless idols and themselves became worthless. Well, that kind of resonated with me a little bit because I think in our culture today, we are following a lot of worthless idols. Now, now an idol is not only a uh, statue, an image. You know, I think everybody, when you think of an idol, you think of like a, a golden calf or a snake or a statue of some sort that people bow down and worship in front of, like Buddha. Okay, that's an idol. But an idol really is, let's tear this apart, okay, an idol. Let's say a statue. You're worshiping a statue because that is to you something you esteem over God in heaven, the God of the universe, the only true God. 
So you're worshiping something, prioritizing something, esteeming something more than the actual God. So that thing that you worship, that you bow down to, that you esteem, that has priority in your life, it doesn't have to be a statue. It can be a thing. It can be a behavior. It can be money. It can be a, um, you know, chasing people of the opposite sex. It can be uh, chasing power, prestige, prominence. It can be your car. Anything you prioritize and elevate above God in your life, you put a higher priority on that than you put on God, that thing you put the higher priority on, that's an idol in your life. And the Ten Commandments say, don't worship any other thing, any idols other than God. God is the only thing you worship. Okay, so I just thought that was interesting. I, they, they worshiped idols, and they became worthless. Them, the worth, worthless images, and they became worthless themselves. So then I went to my chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs um, today was Proverbs 15. And in 15, verse 9, it says, The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. So I'm a language guy, as you know. I'm a writer. I write for PressProsMagazine.com. I wrote for The Plain Dealer for years. I'm a reporter. I like language. I think language is cool, and I think language can, can, can touch something in people. Saturday, I covered a couple high school girls' state championship games, and I, I try, I endeavor to work very hard on those stories because I know that the girls who play in those state championship games are probably going to save that story to commemorate one of the great moments in their life. And I think it's not just a story they're going to read the day after the game. They're going to read that story 10, 20, 30, 40 years from the time I wrote it. And I really want it to be good. And I pour over every word and I, I really endeavor to do a really good job. And one of the ways that I try to do a good job is I try to really be intentional and careful with the words I use. And some words, I don't just use words that we throw into everyday conversation. I try to use words that have power and that say what common words say, but have just a little bit more punch. Well, this verse, Proverbs 15, 9, has some of those words in it. You know, we talk about people being, uh, we talk about, I don't like that, or I hate that. We say this, I hate liver and onions. I hate Michigan. I hate this, that, and the other. Well, hate's a word we use a lot. So it really doesn't have a whole lot of oomph to it. But this verse uses the word detests. The Lord detests. Detest is a word that has power. You know what it means. It means the same as hate, but it has more power to me than hate. It says the Lord detests the way of the, what, disobedient, way of bad people, the way of stubborn people. No, it says he detests the way of the wicked. I bet you're going to go all day today, all week, all month, and unless you're in your Bible, unless you are a Christian, unless you're reading your Bible, nobody in everyday conversation is going to go, wow, you know, that at Cardi B, she's really wicked. <laughs> oh, they might mean wicked, wicked awesome or wicked smart, like they say in Boston, but they don't use wicked in everyday conversation to mean what it actually means, which is disobedient, bad. So this verse jumped out at me. And in our church service yesterday, our pastor was preaching about, and we showed a video on um, the necessity 
of being a Christian and having the attitude that you don't just view sin in your life as oh this I'll get to that eventually you know yeah that's that's not good I know I have to get rid of that but uh you know I I I mean I'll get rid of it I will I'll get rid of it but but it's not like the most you know like I I I got to go to work today or I got to do this today or I got to That's not how God looks at sin. We have to take sin in our life as seriously as God takes it. We have to be completely repulsed, not put off, repulsed by sin. We don't just have to dislike it. We don't just have to hate it. We have to, like that verse in Proverbs says, detest it. We have to detest it. So, as you know, now I'm in the Gospel of Mark because I just don't think I know enough about the nuances of the Gospel of Mark. So I was reading about Jesus interacting with the crowds in the midst of his ministry. And he's talking to his disciples in Mark 7, verse um, 14. And you know, probably if you have any uh, knowledge of um, Jesus' time and the Jewish customs, that there's this concept that um, there's clean and unclean, ceremonially clean and unclean. If you have leprosy, you're definitely unclean. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they had like these special procedures for washing their hands and everything. You know, they wouldn't eat pork, the blood of strangled animals. That was considered unclean. People who keep kosher, they don't eat meat killed in a certain way because that makes them, quote-unquote, unclean, not fit for communion with God, those kinds of things. So Jesus, he brings a new paradigm to the world, and he's trying to ingrain in people at this point in time that, you know, you're all hung up on all these rituals and all these procedures and all these fancy-schmancy things you're doing, washing a certain way. And he's like, and that doesn't, that doesn't matter. And so he tells them, don't you know that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? In other words, what you eat. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. God looks at what? God looks at the heart. God looks at, the, at our hearts. That's how he identifies us and whether we're in right communion with him. Jesus goes on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. What comes out of a man, your language, your attitudes, your behavior, how you treat others, that's what comes out of you, how you react, how you comport yourself, how you behave. What comes out of a man makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts come, and here's the sins that he's talking about, that he detests. That we just kind of look at and go, yeah, I'll get to that. No, we got to detest these things that Jesus is talking about. For from within, out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. You say, well, I don't do any of those. Wait, he's not done. Greed, malice, intending bad toward others, deceit, lying, lewdness, language, envy, jealousy, Slander, 
saying bad things about people. Arrogance, wow, that hits me hard. And folly, foolishness. And then he concludes, after naming all those qualities, and a lot of them, uh, a lot of them apply to me, all these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So if we're unclean, what do we know? Well, we know from the verse that I read in Proverbs, the Lord detests those things. He detests them. He doesn't just go, yeah, I prefer you not do that. We have to, as Christians, as believers, we have to hate what God hates and love what he loves. And so I just am convicted myself by that and wanted to share that with you as a way of holding you accountable if you strive to live for Christ. I'm not trying to condemn anybody who hasn't made the decision for Jesus because I would not expect you to um, feel a burden to not do those things. I, I want you to not do them, but I would not feel you to ex- I would not expect you to have the same burden that I have not to be that kind of a person because you haven't given your life to Christ. So if you haven't given your life to Christ, you don't feel the forgiveness inside you that would motivate you to not do those things out of gratitude to Jesus for the sacrifice that he paid at the cross so you can have uh, forgiveness and be eternally safe with God, who will view you through the prism of Christ's perfection, not through the prism of your own imperfection. So I want you to get there, but you first have to accept Christ in your life. And Jesus does not change you so he can love you. He loves you so he can change you. He loves everybody. He doesn't love you. He, those of you who now are walking in a disobedient lifestyle, he doesn't not love you. He loves everybody. Loves everybody the same. He doesn't love me more because I'm hopefully obedient than he does when I was disobedient. He's sad and hurt and disappointed and mad when I, after giving my life to him, spit on what he did for me by continuing to engage in sinful behavior. But I feel a conviction when I do those things that you can't do that. He detests that, Bruce. Why are you doing that? So it's incumbent upon believers, I'm talking to believers now, that we hate sin the way he hates sin. And if we don't, then we must not fully understand and value what he did for us at the cross. So that holds me accountable. I hope that it is uh, instructive to you. And um, I will talk to you again on Wednesday when I will know more about Oral Roberts and um, when we'll have a little bit more to talk about. So everybody have a great day. Thanks for your time. God bless. Please patronize our sponsors. Send me an email, wetacklelife at gmail.com. Or an iTunes review would be nice as well. Until then, God bless. See you soon.